Hi, everyone. Well, just give us a minute while we get our cameras rolling. There we go. Smooth as silk. Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome to the 262 Market Report. I'm Jennifer Zeller, the Red Shoe Realtor. I'm here with TJ Ebert, Guidance Mortgage. He's joining us again. And we're going to talk about first-time homeowners, first-time buyers, and the loans that are available, the products. <clears throat> How have you been, TJ? Doing good. I'm doing good. It's a uh... Another interesting time as it relates to the market and the world of, of finance, but all in all good. It's the start of Arch Madness. It's a great time. It's never boring, is it? <laughs> so let's talk about this week. Uh, a couple big things happened. Some related you know, directly to mortgage rates, some related to the whole environment of finances. Let's talk about the banking, SB, B, or SVP Bank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what do you think? Well, it's it it's kind of shaken the the economy and the mortgage industry a little bit because it is giving some signs, some allusions to what took place back in two thousand eight. But it was the I believe the third biggest, third largest bank to have failed in the U S. Um, so it's yeah, it's significant enough that it, the Fed had to step in. And I am by no means an, an expert <laughs> when it comes to federal banking regulations and and large banks how they operate. But the federal federal uh, government had to step in and FDIC insure the deposits up to two hundred fifty thousand for account holders there, and there have been some trickle effects or some other financials that are at at risk or on watch of failure. I know um, just today or yesterday there was Credit Suisse. Yeah, I saw uh, that over too. In Europe that is is on shaky ground. I think I just saw, got an alert that there's now. Uh, Lifeline investor that's swooping in to salvage Credit Suisse, but there's a lot of oh, there uncertainty. Is? I didn't see a lot that. Of uncertainty right now. And it seems like at first, um, Monday or Sunday night, when the president came in and he said we're going to make um, depositors whole, investors not, it kind of steadied a little bit. You know what happened. Although then, what Tuesday, thirty more banks were they shut down trading and that. So how's that affected mortgage rates along with everything else? Because what reports came out this week already? So this week was the, the big one, um, CPI. So inflation, it shows the month-over-month month inflation numbers as well as the year-over-year year inflation numbers. And the inflation numbers were, were really in line with what was forecasted. However, that was overshadowed by the banking, SVP, SVB, and other trickle effect kind of overshadowed those reports. So while the inflation was in line with expectation, it... It hasn't had we we haven't been able to decipher what the impact on rates because of the other major things that have happened. Yeah, there's like so many factors coming together, right? That it's hard to get a clear picture of what needs to be done. And I think for a while people were thinking next week is it right that the Fed was going to go 0.5, but yes. now do you think it might be a little less because yeah, of all this? Before, so it was a week ago, just after Fed Chair Powell met with both uh, both branches of the government. There was a 80% expectation that there would be a 50 basis point hike in rates on the 22nd, so next week, Wednesday. And now after, come Monday morning after the SVP collapse, that was down to 25% likelihood of a 20, of a 20, or sorry, 25% likelihood of a 50 point hike. So Dropped now with the additional <clears throat> items, 
it's it seems that anything other than a 25 point hike is unexpected and then it's so funny like before this banking on friday it was like almost you know given yep it's going to be 50 mm-hmm. and i think it's a good indicator of like not assuming anything even a week out or two weeks out i was so happy this so rates dropped a little bit this week right and i had a client who locked in uh at like 6.5 which they weren't expecting so they like timed it perfectly mm-hmm. so how are you seeing like app mortgage applications are your are your applications getting homes what are you seeing yeah so there's from Month ago when I was here, there was a little bit more activity in terms of interest in pre-approval conversations, and there's still a shortage of inventory that we spoke of. And so I have one particular buyer that has offered on four homes in the last three weeks, and their offer has not been not been accepted. They're, it's a very competitive offer. They're well positioned, however, they're just they're, there's not enough homes to go around, so they're getting outbid. By people who are going way above asking price, and, and that's that's for for this price point, it, it's not across the board at all price points. And I think um, I see that too. And, and like you know, when you're trying to write an offer as an agent, like is this going to do it? Like it's this is a really strong offer, but you never know who's like done looking. That they're just going to write the offer to like mm-hmm. I want the house, I'm going to go whatever over, and so you never know like who you're going against, and so you just have to write that offer that if you lose it a dollar over, you're good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I had, uh, I've had a couple clients, like it's kind of a roller coaster for my clients right now, especially my first time buyers who have not been in, you know, been in the game and the game is so different right now. Um, they had a couple, you know, not accepted offers last week and Sunday they're like, okay, we're done. And then like Monday around noon, I, they sent me over a house. I was like, yes, <laughs> just because I think it's good not to take yourself out of the game. It really ties into what we talked to last week about, or last month about, you know, the money that you put in and that you get involved, get, get home ownership now mm-hmm. and the long-term effect. So, and we got an accepted offer on Monday. Oh. <laughs> I know I was really happy. <laughs> so that really ties into our discussion today. We want to talk about first time buyers and the products out there. And so what are the common misconceptions that, so there's a product out there for uh, FHA first time home what does FHA stand for? Federal Housing Administration. Thank you. Yeah, so it's, it's a federally backed mortgage product. Okay. And now what are some of the misconceptions? I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about those. Well, I th- one of the big ones is that it is only for low income yeah. income borrowers. Uh, however, an FHA loan has no income limitations whatsoever. Conversely, I think sometimes people get it get it mixed or align it with a WIDA product, which is designed. There are, there are income maximums with WIDA products. For an FHA loan, there is there's nothing as tied to how somebody could earn too much money to qualify for income. So that's a big one. Another one is that it's only for first time home buyers. That's not the case. It is taken advantage of a lot of times by first time home buyers because of some benefits that it can provide for those buyers. But it, there's not a requirement at all. It's not designated just for first-time buyers. Um, so, so like there's no ben- there's no top number that they couldn't you know that they earn that they couldn't use the FHA. Correct. Oh, and then again, and I think there's a lot of and I know before I was an agent, this was my misconception too, like first-time homeowners only. Um, so, what are some of the qualifications? You know, why would somebody choose the FHA product? Well, one of the big differences between an FHA loan product and a conventional mortgage is how much it's going to require as a down payment. 
where a conventional loan product typically requires 5% or more as a down payment. An FHA only requires 3.5% as that down payment. So that's where a lot of times it's it's the first time buyer that is taking advantage of that because it can it can be you know a three hundred thousand dollar home that's almost five thousand dollars less that would have to be paid as a down payment. Right, and do is that because it's backed by the federal government that you can do the lower rates or? Yes, it, it, it because it's insured and backed by federal government. There's less of a risk to the investors and, and the banks who ultimately will hold that mortgage in their portfolio um, or or put it off in, into the market. So there's less risk tied to it. So that's why there is a little bit more advantages and flexibility when it comes to it. So let's talk about how is it different than, let's say, a conventional loan? You know, would it, how, why would somebody choose FHA and conventional? Or would somebody who would qualify for a conventional choose an FHA? Yeah, it's that, to the last part there, it's definitely not something where, where a buyer goes with an FHA because they cannot qualify for a conventional. That's that may be the case, but that doesn't. That's not a, a true or false situation. Somebody could very well qualify for a conventional loan, and an FHA loan would make more sense for them. the The three most common factors that would go into somebody where an FHA loan would benefit them more would be if they don't have a high credit score, um, if they don't have a large down payment amount that they can't reach that 5% or their monthly obligations compared to their monthly income so that that all all important the debt to income ratio maybe their ratios are a little bit higher and so a conventional loan is going to be more cost more costly or maybe they can't get it because their their DTI is so high but an FHA loan has more flexibility you can go to a higher DTI with an FHA loan than you can with um, than you can with a conventional. And where there are instances where somebody cannot qualify for a conventional and therefore an FHA loan is, is their option, that situation might be with credit score. So one, one difference between a conventional and FHA is the minimum credit scores. A conventional loan, typically it's 620 or higher. In reality, 660 or higher to, to, get, to get better interest rate pricing. But a, an FHA loan has kind of two tiers. One is anything a score 580 or higher is going to qualify for the traditional benefits, the lower down payment, 3.5% requirement. However, it's, it's possible that someone could have a credit score all the way down to 500 and still oh. qualify for an FHA loan. There are different factors in terms of the, they have to put more as a down payment and there may have to be other benefits to the buyer, to, to the borrower in that situation but potentially all the way down to 500 with an FHA loan. You know, it makes me think like being divorced myself, like I could really see how an FHA loan is great for somebody who's maybe coming out of divorce and maybe that wreaked havoc on your credit or maybe your expenses are higher because now you're divorced and have more expenses. Um, and so I could see where that would be a really great product. for. That's, you know, one situation that I, that I hear. Or like you have kids going to college, you have these other, you know, expenses, so much income going out. So they're really... It's a nice product that it's not, you know, that it can really help people in a different, you know, just tra life transitions. Yes. That your credit score has dropped for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Now, is the rate higher on FHA loan than a conventional? It's, it's usually, it, it might be slightly higher than a conventional. However, um, it's all dependent upon multiple factors. So it's price, the, the interest rate is 
similarly factored, just like a conventional, based on your income, based on the loan amount, your credit score, how much of a down payment you are you're applying to the loan. So there are a lot of factors that go into it, just like a conventional loan. Okay. Um, so interest rates are usually comparable, depending upon market conditions and those other factors I mentioned. Maybe it's a hair better interest rate, maybe it's a touch higher. However, the benefit of having a lesser down payment or lower monthly insurance on the monthly mortgage insurance can far out, outpace the difference in interest rate on there. And one another another like misconception or something that we want to make sure to share with an FHA loan is it doesn't have to be a a long-term mortgage solution. It can be a getting the foot in the door, you're you have a lot of expenses as Jennifer mentioned, you have kids in college, whatever it might be. One FHA loan can get that home for you, get that mortgage set up, get you in a position so that a year, two, three, four years down the line, when your income is higher, credit's higher, you can refinance into a conventional loan and move into into that product. Again, that's talking like what we talked about last week, like using the FHA to get yourself, you know, to start building that equity in year one, two, and three instead of waiting till you could qualify for a conventional. Um, so, like, what are, as far as a first time home buyer, because people think this is their, you know, that is for first time, although it's for everyone. What are the benefits for a first-time homeowner then? Is it kind of what we talked about, the lower down payment? There are other reasons. That really is lower down payment um, is the the biggest one, especially when it comes to a duplex or multifamily. So a duplex, somebody who wants to buy it with a conventional loan on duplex would need to put 15% down, whereas they could still do 3.5% on an FHA duplex. So that is another, another benefit there. Um, but it's really uh, also could be someone who is has lesser credit history, doesn't mm-hmm. have doesn't have years of car loans, credit cards, previous mortgage on there. That there are ways to be able to leverage non non traditional type of credit situations where we might be able to leverage a utilities payment. Someone's renting, they have monthly utilities payment or internet bill. Um, that the paying rent then itself it could be. Paying insurance, th- those sorts of things we, we can look to build in and bolster that credit file, credit report history, whereas those things cannot be factored in for a conventional loan. So that's that's where it's, again, it's important to talk to lenders that are creative and, you know, with um, first-time buyers, FHA, that, you know, know the things that they can do to bolster, to get you, you know, to get you in that home, build your credit file. Um, so is, is it changed by locations at all, FHA loans? Like... Is it like suburban, urban, rural, or different states, or is it pretty uniform? Yeah, so what the one difference between FHA and conventional is a loan limit. So the maximum amount you could borrow in that loan program. Where a conventional loan, anything single family home, we'll use Wisconsin as an example, single family home in Wisconsin, you can go up to $726,200 in a loan and still still get the conventional mortgage interest rate pricing and, and product. An FHA single family, the limit is about 472000 in that loan. So it, it's not designed for lower income. However, it's, it, it does have lower loan limit options there. And your question about does it change place to place throughout, throughout the area, it's classified by... 
um, there, there's a, a standard rate, and then there are elevated rates if it's a, if it's labeled a higher higher cost living center. So, using the state of Wisconsin, it the loan limits are always county specific, and the entire state of Wisconsin has the same limits except for two, and there are two counties over just across um, near the Twin Cities. So it's St. Croix County and Pierce County, where those limits are nine percent higher than everywhere else simply because it's a, it's designated as a higher cost of living area. So interesting. If you made me pick, those are not the two counties <laughs> I would pick. I wonder why cost of living is higher there. Is it because it's close to the Twin Cities? I think cities? it's just the cities. There, there must be enough people that work in the cities. Interesting. And, but live live over there, yeah. And so just so I understand what you were saying too, so if somebody's going to buy a house that's 550 they're going and they're going to – they need a loan of five fifty. Let's say not. They're going to. They need a loan of five fifty. They're going conventional. Correct. Okay. Unless they now. Let's say they were going to. No, because it wouldn't matter if they were going to put that much down. But if they were going to do like four ninety, but they were going to put the three percent down. It yeah, doesn't it, quite get you. It does. It, it, it'd, be, it'd be close, but it, yeah. Ultimately, it's an ending loan amount. So if the loan amount on a single family is four seventy two or less then it would, would be eligible for an FHA loan. Okay. And you know, going back to the duplex, duplex, so it's tiered based on single family or one unit, and then two unit, three unit, four unit. So a duplex limit is higher. It's, it's about 130000 130, more at 604000 So that puts in the wheelhouse of, of somebody looking to buy a duplex. They could very easily, very likely, I should say, utilize FHA financing. Okay. And how long is it the, is the length that it takes to close different on an FHA than a conventional? It doesn't have to be. I'll say that it's likely the industry average is longer on an FHA loan than conventional. However, that's taking into account the larger banks, maybe it's an, a dot-com bank, that may have more um, less flexibility, less agility to work with that. However, for, mm-hmm. for me and my company, Guidance Mortgage, it doesn't have to be much longer than a conventional mortgage. Where conventional mortgage loan, we could get closed within you know 30 days, 30 days well within our wheelhouse. We can do that same thing on an FHA so long as the – it takes two to tango. To make it that efficient, we can move <laughs> as quickly as the, the people we're working with. So it, it does a lot of times require the – Cooperation, cooperation and efficiency from the buyer's side, just like it would at a conventional. So I would say that for for me and my company, the timelines don't have to be different between FHA and conventional. So let's talk about that. So you get an accepted offer, FHA. You know, your the agent call or emails your lender. Here's our accepted offer. Then what happens? So the a lot of times it's not different than a conventional, but the big thing is ordering an appraisal. An FHA can can possibly slow a process down if there are things that are, are uncovered with an appraisal that require fixes or repairs. FHA because it's a because it has a, a federal backing to it and also taking advantage of getting better pricing, there's less risk because the they know that the appraiser has identified that there's next to nothing wrong with this house. So when I say next to nothing wrong, it doesn't mean that it has to be you know, walk in turnkey, everything is, yeah. is good, but an appraisal requirement is different than a conventional by way of if if there is any peeling paint or any missing handrails, or maybe there's a, a cracked window, could be a 
missing shingle, whatever that could be. It could be that a sink, a sink isn't operational. Those sorts of things on a conventional appraisal, conventional loan, no issue whatsoever. That's between the buyer and the seller. On an FHA, the the government wants to make sure that the house is livable, that the that the home has solid value. So those things would need to be fixed prior to being able to to have that appraisal signed off on. So that can delay the process, but that's only a lot of times we can identify that looking at pictures of a listing and then, and see oh there's a missing handrail oh I can see paint I can see missing outlet covers those things we can identify and, and go, knowing go into it knowing all right we're probably going to have to have some repairs done maybe we can't do a 30 day close here I think like in talking about misconceptions earlier I think this is like the seller's misconception right like they're like oh no FHA I'm going to do all these ticky tacky little things before we close and like what do you see in FHA approval um, appraisals, like how often are there really significant things that have to get taken care of before close? What are those things when they're big? Yeah, the the big ones are, are not that common. The ones that I would I would maybe put in that big category would be is if there are any noticeable, like visually you can see there's something not right with a roof. Mm-hmm. Might mean there's some leaking going on somewhere that would need to be fixed. Uh, it could be. Maybe the, the seller was in the middle of, of a remodel and they have, are waiting to finish. Maybe it's a, a bathroom that they haven't finished the flooring. Well, if there's any flooring that is missing, that has to be, that would not pass the appraisal. So it, I guess to sum it all, it would be, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't want to leverage it for a fixer-upper type of home. Right. You'd want it to be, it has to be a livable home that there's nothing unsafe or unsanitary about the home. Um, do, and do you have, I don't know, something you say made me thought of this question, and it's sort of from the earlier thing. Do people ever who are buying, do they ever put more than 20% down and still use an FHA? Or would they not do that because, you know, the different requirements, like, you know, the home repair and that? Or yeah. Do people use that solution at all? Most likely it's not going to make sense. If someone's in a position to put 20% down, it's not going to make sense okay. to go FHA. And unless it's unless there's low credit or the debt to income, the, the cash flow is tight, if those two things aren't an issue, then it would be very unlikely someone's going to choose an FHA because an FHA always has that, a mortgage insurance premium no matter the Mm -hmm. LTV, no matter what the the proportion of the loan is to the home's value. Whereas a conventional loan, as long as that loan to value does not exceed 80%, there is not mortgage insurance. So I'm not going to say it's it's never going to be the case where someone would choose FHA. Yeah. If they're putting 20, like I could down, see but. maybe if somebody got an inheritance or something, but their own credit wasn't as good mm-hmm. or they debt to income, maybe that would be a solution yeah. there. Yeah, it could be. Maybe, they, maybe they sold a house recently and now they have funds to put down it, yeah. but they're, they, they have some blemishes on their credit, you know, past mistake that won't allow them to get into a, a competitively priced conventional. An FHA loan can be that option. And then that, in that situation probably is a starting point where we, as we mentioned, right. get in the door with this and then refinance it to conventional down the road. You know, it's, we were just talking about some before we got on that they're like assuming that they can't have a loan because of things that happened in their past. Mm-hmm. And like an educated person. And I think this is what I think with all these loan products, people, I think they always assume conventional 20% down, need good credit. And 
for, I don't understand why the public maybe doesn't even know about this product so much. Maybe we as agents and lenders haven't done as good a job. I don't like, do you find that that people like they really think, all right, it's good credit, 20% down conventional, and then start thinking about buying? I would say yes. For, 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 the, for the first two, good credit and 20% down. Yeah. From my experience as someone who knows conventional or uh, FHA or WIDA probably has gone through the process before. Yeah. But a first-time buyer, yeah, it's very prevalent. The, the thought of, oh, I need to get more to stay down or my credit isn't perfect, so I have to wait. Now, something interesting that that was implemented in the last few weeks is on on conventional loans, pricing actually improved for those with less than perfect credit. So, okay. so something interesting that it may it may actually serve somebody better. We're kind of getting off topic of the FHA here, but it may actually serve somebody better to apply and get a mortgage for a conventional loan now with a six sixty credit score versus waiting until it's a seven twenty credit score. Oh, interesting. And that's why I think, um, like, if your lender is not talking about different options and analyzing different things, that maybe you need to, you know, search a little bit more, right? Because I, I know, like, when I work with TJ, it's not just like, okay, we're just going to use this product. It's like, what is the right product to use, you know, knowing all the facts. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about a strategy. Like, I think, you know, what is some strategy that you know, maybe we have somebody who wants to get into investing or that. How can FHA work for them? Yeah, the FHA product is really great for someone who is wanting to maybe be a first-time landlord, that they're, they're thinking about buying a duplex and renting out one of the units. It can be leveraged in such a way where they ha- only have a low down payment, still that same 3.5%. However, they could then, after being in the home for a year, they could buy their next duplex as long as it's as long as it's a, a bigger nicer better duplex <laughs> or what most commonly is is all right I have my duplex now I'm going to buy a single family home and keep that duplex as an investment property so an FHA allows that person to get in with a lesser down payment remember if they were buying just a a traditional duplex with a conventional loan they would need 15% down so they could get that duplex at three and a half percent down. There is a requirement that they have to occupy one of the units, so it can't be an investment property when taking out the loan, and they have to remain in that home for twelve months. But after a year, that that individual is free to go and buy a different property and retain that FHA loan on that property that is then turning into an investment property and keep that rental income coming in from two units. And then when they're going to buy their, like, say they're going to buy a home, assume. So the rental income, does that also count toward, like, their income for, as for the next loan they're getting? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there, if there's current leases on a, that investment property, then those lease amounts, the, the monthly rent amounts, can be included in rental income. If it's a vacant, if it's a vacant mm-hmm. unit, then the part of the appraisal process is the appraiser will provide a fair market rental value. And that rental income can be used. There's a, a calculation, so it's 75% of the monthly rent from, from the units can be used. And that 75% simply builds in the vacancy re, vacancy right, average right that's there. expected. Right. But yes, yeah, somebody is, has a, the duplex, they're looking to buy another property, another home, they can use the rental income from that duplex and qualify for a, a better mortgage for the next loan. 
What if they wanted to use income from both, but they had been living in one? Do they have to like, if they moved out like with their parents or whatever for a few months, that would be the only way. Like you can't live there and say, well, I'm going to rent both of them. Do you need proof of someone living there? No, you you would not need proof of somebody. Okay. So if, if I'm understanding your question, someone buys a duplex, they're living in one unit, renting out the other, and then they're deciding, I want to buy a home. I'm going to rent out the unit that I've been living in. They don't have to vacate that that unit as part of the process that, mm-hmm. that appraiser would identify that unit's average rent given market conditions and that expected future okay. rent can be used and leveraged for the purchase of the next home. So no, they don't have to move out of the property nice. and find find right. in, in the Give proof of income yeah, for a few months. Be homeless because yeah. it's going to work for you. Um, and then, but you can... Only use the FHA on one loan. Is that correct? You can only have one FHA loan, an active FHA loan, one at a time. In most situations, there are some caveats, but it's very rare. So most likely, someone would have to, if, if they're looking to buy the next property as an FHA loan, they would have to refinance their current property out of an FHA into a conventional loan, or it could be a VA loan. Um so they have to refi out of an FHA loan to be able to purchase the next property. As Can you have like um, other products that are kind of backed by the government? So could you have an FHA and a VA or an FHA and a WIDA? Absolutely. Or does it have to be convention? Okay, you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, each individual product would have limitations on a number of active loans you could have at a time. But by all means, you could have an FHA and a VA. So that made me think of one more question. So I have a client who will be using an FHA loan, but then they were thinking for their next loan to use an FHA. Is that possible, do you think, or how would that work together, or was that not probably going to work together? So that would that would mean they would, before applying for their next loan, they would have to refinance their existing loan out of an FHA product. Okay. So, and if what if they did it the other way around? Could they do FHA first and then do VA on their second property? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So that would be the better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Do, if you know you want to use your VA and you want to have a rental property, do FHA first and then VA? Yes. Okay. Yes, that definitely is a wiser choice. Okay. Got it. Okay. Well, thank you. I think those are really good. Um, they answer a lot of questions that uh, people have with FHA loans. Um, so it's a fun note on the end. TJ and I were talking about uh, Rogers leaving, and TJ noticed some similarities between that. So why don't you tell me what you noticed? Well, I, yeah, I saw, I saw some <laughs> comments on Twitter post yesterday, but so when Favre was traded, it was 2008. There was a first-round quarterback who had been sitting on the bench for three years. Fast forward 15 years, now the exact same thing. Love has been on the bench for three years, first-round quarterback. But also, what else took place in 2008 that is fitting to our conversation? Well, we were also in a recession. recession, And we were also in a housing <laughs> crisis. So the, the best way I saw it was, like, time is a flat circle. We are, we are back to where we were 15 years ago. If we were to just ask TJ, like, two months ago, we or maybe the last month, and there's a recession, we didn't know when that Rodgers was leaving. And, wait, did Favre first go to the Jets, or did he go to the Vikings yeah, he first? Yeah, he got traded to the Jets. It's I'm not, oh, my gosh. cookie-cutter copy of what took place. I know. I saw a funny um, meme on Twitter, like, it was, like, Favre saying, like, he stole my, he was on um, some meme, like, he's doing my my same bar, music bar, like, same notes, same bar, saying everything. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Hopefully the future for Rodgers is a little different, by the way, I hope he doesn't make it to the Vikings <laughs> and doesn't have major 
scandals <laughs> yeah. down the road. <laughs> right. Because I just feel like he might not have been forgiven as much as Favre. Like, you know, everyone, Favre's mm-hmm. had all those things, and it's still like, oh, he's still beloved. Yep, absolutely. Rogers, if you make those mistakes, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, thank you. And so TJ and I are talking. Maybe we'll hop on next week when the um, Fed comes out with whatever they do with the rates and just give you a quick update then so we don't have to wait in between. But thank you, TJ. I really thank appreciate you your time. Um, so TJ's with Guidance Mortgage. If you have any questions, um, you know, we'll have his contact information at the end of the screen here. But we really appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody.